the uh, school choir sang that song. Wow. You talk about a powerful song. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. We are talking about family worship. And this verse is really a good place to start as we look at family worship. It's not the only verse that we're going to look at this morning, but it is the place that we're going to start. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Lord, I pray this morning that from your scripture that you would teach us about family worship. You'd teach us about responsibility, especially about the responsibility that a man has to make sure that his family is evangelized and discipled at home. Dear Lord, we do want to lift Brandon up to you as he stands to preach at uh, his new church this morning. I pray that you'd bless him. I pray that you would anoint him. And I pray that this morning, dear Lord, as we look at family worship, that you would teach us what a joy it can be when we raise our children to know the Lord. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name that we do. Amen. So I think it's kind of interesting that the first part of that verse is uh, what I would call a negative. Do not provoke your children. So you dads kind of looking at me? Okay. That is talking to fathers. We are not to do anything that would provoke our children to anger or to wrath the best we know how. And I think the way that we primarily do that, fathers, the way that I might have done it in the past, and we've all made this mistake, is saying one thing and doing another. I'm telling you, our children are watching closely not only what we say, but what we do. And we surely shouldn't ask our children of any higher standard in conduct than we're willing to set the example for. So do not provoke your children to wrath. Remember, they are your children. And I want to tell you, fathers, they didn't fall far from the tree. So when they act out upon who they are, remember who their daddy is. Secondly, rule them with tenderness and love with tenderness and love. Uh, Be gentle with them and to treat them with love. Do not be unnecessarily severe with them. No more severe than you have to be with them. And deal wisely with them in every situation. And and I'm just, you know, I get to preach it all week. Y'all have to endure it for 35 or 40 or 45 minutes. I, I get to preach myself all week. But what, what I'm really coming to see is, especially in the day and time that we live in, we have got to look for every situation we can to speak the truth to our children. Are y'all with me? Because I don't know if you guys have noticed it or not. They are being told by the world there is no absolute truth. Did y'all hear me? Listen. When, when, when there is no male and female, and you can't identify male or female, there is no truth. So we've got to look for every situation to talk to our children about spiritual things. I mean, we've got to be aggressively 
looking for opportunities to speak the truth to our children. Amen? Y'all remember now, they are hearing that there's no truth continually throughout their day. Academia, the Internet, what they're looking at on the phone, that's what they're being told. There's no absolute truth. That's what they're being told. Number two, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up to, are y'all ready for this? To know and to serve the Lord. Give them proper and compassionate correction. Proper and compassionate correction. Give them the knowledge of what the Lord requires of them. Did you know there are some things that the Lord requires of His children? That needs to be told to your children. To love Him, to respect Him, to serve Him, to live for His glory, to live by His commands. Those are some expectations that need to be drilled into them. Teach them to know Him and to love Him. To fear sin and to know their duty towards God. So that's Ephesians 4. So just a little bit of introduction. Uh, for some of you that may not know, I want to I talk just for a second about where we have been as a church and now where we are headed as a church. Okay? So we, we are a church that from the beginning, by God's grace, amen, we have encouraged our people to be people of the Word. I, I, I could tell you, I, I could ask for anybody that's read their Bible through and through 25 years in a row, and we'd have several people that stand up. So by God's grace, right, He made us a church that highly esteems God's Word and, and, and highly esteems God's Word to the reading of and keeping of. His Word, amen, by God's grace. Also, we have been a church that believes that America's greatest problem is that we do not have men who are setting the example as godly men in the home. We believe that the majority of the problems in America are man problems. Listen, we, we, have, we have a plague going in America. And it's gotten worse over the years. Not only we have absent fathers, but we are now having the promotion of fatherless homes. Matter of fact, uh, you get all kinds of crazy accusations when you teach that God established the family as a man and a woman, institutes the family in marriage, and that a father is to lead the home, especially in spiritual matters. So, from the, from the beginning, we have been about teaching men to be godly men with some success. And I want to tell you, young men, you can learn how to be a godly man. You can learn how to be a godly man. The next thing that we have been about for some time, that the family is God's first institution. Tom prayed about it next door. Made them male and female. He said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll make him a helper as his partner. So the institution of marriage was set up 
Did y'all know that's how it was supposed to be? A man and a woman and then children. A family unit. That's the way God intended it. And just because that's not necessarily the way that it is now does not mean that it's still not God's purpose and intention for a man and a woman to raise a family. So we've been about teaching men to be godly men and women to be godly women and that the first institution of God was the marriage. So today, God's intent is for families to raise their kids to know the Lord, love the Lord, and serve the Lord. That's still God's intent. Genesis 18, 19. You have that scripture in front of you. We're kind of going to go chronologically through the Bible, and you'll see how this uh, was built upon from the institution of the marriage. This is speaking about Abraham. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Pretty clear, amen? What Abraham's supposed to do. And I'll tell you, America would not be in the mess that we're in today if the majority of families had a godly man in that family leading the family to know the Lord. Now, that's not, that's not a put-down on women. That's not a put-down on any situation. That was God's intent that a man would be the spiritual leader in the home of Abraham. He says, I know him and I chose him for this purpose. What was that purpose? To command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. That he will command or instruct his household. He is, he is not, men, we are not to have a knowledge and to keep it to ourselves. We are to have a knowledge and we're to give little nuggets out to our family. He is to command and teach it to others. When he talked about his household, he was talking about uh, in an agrarian society, every, everybody that might have lived in that sphere of uh, agrarian community and family that might have been there for him to teach. To teach them how good God is. To teach them what a bitter thing it is to sin against God. His children and his household who will live, listen to me, men, moms, we're going to die. What are we going to live, I'm sorry, what are we going to leave our children with? Not houses, not cars, not a better education, but what we better leave them with is a knowledge and a love for the Lord. We don't know how long we got them, do we? Wow. I, I, when, I, when the Lord brought this to my attention, it, it absolutely began to transform my life. Our children are on loan to us. And while we've got them, 
Our responsibility is to teach them to know and to love the Lord. We don't know how long they're on loan to us. But we know what we're to do with them while we have them. To teach them to know and to love the Lord. Did you hear me? Your children are going to be alive when you're gone. Most likely. And then think about, well, will my grandchildren know the Lord? Are my grandchildren? Well, listen. I don't think the chances of that are too good unless you're teaching them to know the Lord. Our work is so, to so diligently to imprint these things in the mind of our kids that they never forget them. You know how much work that takes? I mean, we, we have got four questions that we're asking the toddlers, and I bet y'all are asking the children's class right now. There's four things that we ask them for ten weeks. Same four questions. You know where you want to get them? You want to get them to the place that when you ask the question, they can spit it right out to you. You've impressed it upon them. Amen? To keep the way of the Lord. To know and walk in the way of the Lord. We are to teach to the point of their learning and practicing what they're being taught. We, we haven't taught them anything till they're doing it. To do good and right and just, both to God and to men. Abraham not only prayed with his family, but he taught them as a man of knowledge. Look, guys, if you, you're not in this, you're not going to have many spiritual nuggets to give your kids. When we read God's Word, if you're a daddy... You need to be thinking, wow, that is a spiritual nugget that I need to teach my kids. If you're a daily Bible reader, you're going to find them all the time. You're going to find them over and over and over. He commanded them as a man who has the authority. Listen, men, I'm not giving you the authority to raise your family to know the Lord. God gave you that authority right out of His holy word. Abraham was a prophet, a priest, and a king in his own house. And that's what every man needs to be. He was careful to teach them and to rule over them well. He took care of his. Look, come on now. Your house ought to be the place that not only are you teaching your other kids, but when other kids come around your house, they're getting some of it too. Just a little dose of it. He made spiritual things practical. Why do we go to the church house on a work day and work on the church building? Because the church building is God's assembly place and it's God's people that take care of the church. Well, you're teaching them something. 
Why in the world would you go and split wood on a, a good hot August morning and carry it to some uh, widow woman's house? Because God's people take care of those that need taken care of in the church. They've got to not just hear it, they've got to see it. He was serious. Listen to this. And devout towards God and honest and caring with men. That's what Abraham was. He was a man concerned about coming, about the coming generations. He was worried about his grandchildren. He was worried about his great-grandchildren. And this would lead to God continuing to uphold his covenant with Abraham's prosperity. He told Abraham, you do this, this is what I'm going to do. Blessings and curses, amen? All right, let's go to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. I told you this wasn't going to be anything that surprised any of you that's been around. But you know, you know what we've never done before? We've never, you've never had a message on family worship that came out of a prayer meeting. You all know what I'm talking about? We left a prayer meeting over there and came to worship. We had a prayer meeting over there and we praised God for the family. And we also prayed that God would help us to, to disciple and evangelize our own families. Amen? I believe God hears our prayer. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Let me tell you how we might, did y'all hear that word? How we just might provoke our children. That we talk about loving the Lord and loving His church, and they know by our actions that we don't love the Lord. And I believe we're going to get to it pretty soon. Y'all know that chapter 22 of Matthew. I believe you get to verses 37 and 38. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. These command, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is it, love your neighbors yourself. You remember that? You, you, you don't think that my kids and my grandkids, you don't think they know whether I love the Lord or not? Teach them passionately to love the Lord. Listen to me. Nobody's going to teach anybody to love the Lord passionately that does not love the Lord passionately themselves. I believe the Scripture says it will be like a clanging cymbal. Tell me, you don't need to work on loving the Lord, y'all, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. I need to work on that. But that is the command. To love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Now listen, why is that, in, why is that so important? Why is it important that I love the Lord? Why is it important that Paul or, or, or Yael loves the Lord? Because if they don't, their work for the Lord will be a burden rather than a joy. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You guys, uh, if you're still breathing, you ain't too old to memorize Scripture. Okay, he says, 
They shall be on your heart. That means to remember, right? To think about, to meditate upon, and to love and to pursue that scripture till you can apply it to your life. That's what verse 6 says. Verse 7, you shall teach them what? Diligently to your children. That does not say pastor. That does not say Sunday school teacher. That says, parents, you shall diligently teach them to your children. Hey, if you'd have known better, you'd have done better, amen? But we, hey, we've we about talked about this long enough. It's about time we started doing it. Diligently teaching our children. Well, look, if we'd have known better, we'd done better, then the only day you got to start is today. That one right there, that one back over there, that little one back there. Just in a couple of deep breaths and they're gone. We don't have a minute to miss. We don't know how long we're going to have them, do we? So, teach them diligently, your children, and shall talk of them when you sit at your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, teach them diligently and intentionally to know the Lord. Y'all know what a whetstone is? Uh, some of you would. It's kind of like some other things that nobody knows what is anymore. A whetstone is uh, because you've got this thing that you got from uh, Pampered Chef. Yeah, you got this thing you got from Pampered Chef you sharpen your knives with, right? Well, used to, all you had to, to sharpen your knife was, it's called a whetstone. It's uh, some kind of uh, ore from the ground, right? And so you, you take a, a knife blade and you sharpen this away and you sharpen this away. In other words, you sharpen this way, you turn it over and do it this way. You might sharpen it the other way. You whet it, a whetstone. You, you work with that knife until you got that blade so sharp that you can shave with it. That's the way you are in teaching spiritual things to your children. You work and you change ways and you do things differently till you know they got it. That's how important it is. Was a, knife, was a sharp knife back in that agrarian society and, and, and before we had all these modern conveniences, was a sharp knife something you needed around? Yeah, so you learned how to sharpen it, right? Quit it. Do it in such a way that you put it deep in their hearts. Diligently, earnestly, frequently, discreetly, and dexterously. I mean, like you would if you were working up some of that good yeast bread. And you had to do the kneading with your hand. I mean, you work at it till you got it just right. I'm talking about that's how we ought to be working with our children and grandchildren to know the Lord. What are you trying to do? You're trying to get past their ears and past their minds and get it in their heart 
that you might see. Look, you ain't done nothing. I ain't done nothing till I can see it in their lives. And I've done nothing as a pastor until I see it in your life. And then I didn't do anything. God did. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as front between your eyes. You shall write them on the door price of your house and on your gates. Y'all know how many times I've preached this? I learned something this time I'd never learned before. So all of these phylacteries and things you tie on your wrist and bind on your forehead, you know why they were doing that? Because they didn't have three by five memory cards to carry around. So whenever they had a scroll to write things down from, that's what they did with them. They put them on their wrist, they put them on their forehead. Okay? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't some big legalistic show or deal. They just didn't have the scriptures. We've got it today. I, I mean, how many Bibles you got in your house? I mean, we don't have to write them on three by five cards now unless that's how we, how we memorize them. Those that love the Lord God themselves should do whatever they can to engage the affections of their children to love Him. Do y'all hear me? We want to get our children to the place that they love the Lord. Frequently to repeat these things to them. Try everything you can to instill them into their minds. Be careful and exact in teaching your children. Exact. It's important you get it right. Amen? Children and all those that come under your care. Bishop Patrick observes here that Moses thought this law was so very plain and easy that every father might be able to instruct his sons. In other words, this scripture is not rocket scientist stuff. It's something that every father ought to be able to read and say, that's what I need to be doing. And that every mother would be able to instruct her daughters. Amen? What has been committed to us, we must carefully transmit to those that come after us that it may be perpetuated. Look, don't, do not depend on somebody else to give to your children spiritual things that God commanded you to give to them. Because it might not happen. We must talk of spiritual things. Not just for the benefit of our children, but for the benefits of their friends and companions. I mean, when you have a serious discussion with your children about spiritual things, somewhere down the road, their friends are going to hear about that. It's going to come out in some way. When at the house, at work, or at rest, entertaining, out for a walk, always looking, tall, tall peak tower or uh, buckeye or wherever you might be hiking to, on that hike, you're looking for some way to talk about things of the Lord. At the evening bedtime, at the getting up, take every opportunity to talk about spiritual things to all that pertains to the soul. Talk about the plain truths and the law of God. Talk about death. Talk about burial. Talk about the resurrection of the dead. Talk about judgment. Talk about eternity. 
Because, look, when you talk about those kind of things, God's going to bring it back to their little minds. This is not scary stuff. It's stuff that happens every day. I mean, uh, my seven grandchildren that have chickens and goats and sheep and cows and all that kind of stuff, it's, for, a, for a chicken to get sick and die is no big deal at their house. I mean, that's just what happens. So death, burial, resurrection, the judgment, eternity, those are five things that they can begin to process in their mind. And if you process those in their mind, they'll understand somewhere down the road, I've got to be prepared. Just little things that you can talk about. 1 Samuel 3.13, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. It's a little bit of a warning. This is speaking, you know who, you know who raised, uh, really raised Samuel up? was the guy, Eli, and he wasn't the best high priest, not the best father, but he, he, he was the one that uh, kind of brought Samuel up in the house of the Lord. And here's what he says. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Fathers, if there is a man and a woman in the house, you men should not put off on your wife this, the serious spiritual discipline correction of your children. You should take that on. Now, Mom, if they're not there to do it, you're going to have to take it on. You know what was going on here? Y'all tell me something about Eli. His sons were wicked. Eli knew their wickedness. Amen? He should not, nor should we, pretend ignorance when we know that our, our children, our grandchildren, are living in wickedness. That's what he's talking about here. Let us love our children, but you remember what uh, Alistair Begg said, let us love our children, but not affirm any of their sins. They may be our children and we may love them, but that doesn't mean that we have to affirm what they're doing that is sin. These men were hateful to God and to all people. They cursed themselves with their contemptible offerings and sacrifices. By their lewd and cursed practices, they put themselves under the curse of God. That's what our children are doing when they go unchecked. I didn't read the scripture to you. It's in there for you to read. But the scripture teaches very clearly when we know about our children's sin and we do not confront it, their blood will be up on our hands. That's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful scripture, but it's, it's there for you to read. This expression about this curse may be used by reflection upon their father. He did not denounce the curse of God against them. He did not put them out of the priesthood. Their father should have dealt with them. You remember David and Absalom? That didn't work out too good for his family, did it? His son made themselves vile and he did nothing to restrain them. He did not display his dissatisfaction with their actions 
properly. He did not punish them. Those that do not restrain the sins of others when it is in the power of their hand to do it make themselves partakers of their guilt. And they'll be charged as accessories. Those in authority will have a great deal to answer for if they spare the rod and allow sin and evil to go underdressed. Did you know that you're being told every day uh, you're really being taught we're really being taught by to allow uh, the sins of our children the improper actions of our children we ought to just let them go they'll figure it all out 2 Timothy 3.15 And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, Andreas and and Brenda, uh, I guess Jimmy and Charlie's baby's about the same age. And how from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. From infancy, I would say from the womb, we ought to be, somebody could tell me, that, that uh, time in the womb when hearing kicks in. From that time, that child should be hearing from father and mother spiritual things. They should be hear prayers offered up. They should be, the, hear, the reading of the word should be heard from infancy. from childhood. 2 Timothy 1.5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Y'all know what's going on here? Acts 16.1, look at it. Paul also came to Durban, to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy's father was a lost Greek pagan. So who taught him the scripture? His mother and his grandmother. Praise the Lord. Amen. Moms, dad won't do it. You may have to the whole time praying for that man. Amen. You have known the Holy Scriptures. What are they for? Which are able to make you wise into salvation. Okay, so we're not talking about uh, writings of Plato or other philosophers, are we? We're talking about the Holy Scriptures. That's what we're to make them wise for. And for you that are, haven't been, been around as long as some of us here, here have, this is, a, this is a mind-boggling Scripture. How from infancy... You've known the Holy Scriptures, and look at that next part, which are able to make your children wise for salvation. Wow. Then you can go to James 1.18, you can go to the First Peter Scripture, 
What does God bring what does God use to bring about the regeneration of a child from lostness to being a child of God? The Holy Scriptures. And what are we to be doing? We can't regenerate them, but we can be pouring that scripture into them, can we not? Man, I, I studied with a guy the other day. This is quite a testimony. A grown man, and the only church he had, from the time he was about 14 till he graduated high school, he had a neighbor kid that moved in, and he started going to church with this neighbor kid at a little Methodist church out in southwest Texas. Nothing, you can't, he said, you don't worry about cutting firewood out there. He said, There's, you, can't, you, can't, you can look forever and not see a tree. You don't worry about firewood. But anyway, so during these four or five years, he went to this little Methodist church, right? And so now he's a 50-year-old man, and God's dealing with him, and God's going to take what that little church taught him for that four or five years and make him born again. We don't know when God's going to use it. But how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, receiving Him as thy Lord and their Savior. So we're, we're kind of wrapping this up so you might follow along with these points. These truths are without doubt certain. He says about Timothy, you had good teachers. Amen? The Scriptures, look, men, women, here's, what, here's, here's our textbook. This is the foundation of what we teach. We, we need nothing else. If this is all we had, we got all we need. And we've got lots of other stuff. The Scriptures are the foundation. If we're going to know God, we must embrace and know and teach His Holy Scripture. If you guys wait till you think you got a good understanding of it, you'll never start. You, 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 know, more than you, you know more than your kids right now. Just start reading it and teaching it. Number three, it will be of great profit when we are taught the Scripture from infancy. Y'all with me? There's a little window here. I'm 71. I, as far as I know, I, was, I wasn't really taught any scripture until I, I was 38 or 39 years old. Anyway, from infancy, from, from the time that that child is born, you have this little window in which they're, they're like sponges. I mean, they soak up everything they hear. They soak up everything you say. Right? But then that little window... They get to be 11 or 12, and they get real smart, and they get sassy, and they uh, get just a tad bit of rebellious, and that window's coming to a close. Y'all all nodding your head. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, those toddlers in toddlers class are absolute little sponges. They soak up everything you say. And if you're saying it to them at home, they really soak it up. But that window's going to close on you. You lost your opportunity. The Scriptures we are to know are the Holy Scriptures. This is God's Holy Word in its entirety. They come from the Holy God. They were delivered by holy men and women to their children. 
being called the Holy Scriptures as they are distinguished, distinguished from profane writings of all sorts. Philosophy and vain conceit are not the Scriptures. And they must be read and taught daily. So what do we accomplish with family worship? What happens when you worship together with a family at home? One, our children and grandchildren will come to know the Lord. That's why we're doing it, that they may come to know and love the Lord. Number two, that our children and grandchildren would embrace the Word of God for their guide. Y'all, know, y'all want to know what's wrong in America? You want to know what's, in the, uh, what's wrong in the world? So we were created in His image, amen? And then He gave us uh, uh, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, and said, okay, here, here's the way to live your life. And only 3% of Christians have read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And the world could care less about this. No wonder we're messed up. The Creator gave us an instruction book, and we're ignoring it. And we're not teaching it to our children. That our children and grandchildren would embrace the Word of God for their guide. How can a young man make, keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. Psalm 119.11 talks about sin. And it says this about God's Word. Listen to what it says. I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to you keep sin out of your life? Get in God's Word. That our children and grandchildren would, be, would develop a passionate love for the God of the Bible. That's what we're trying to do. That our children and grandchildren would be made born again, be saved and become followers of Jesus. And that through family worship, our homes would become an outreach center. That, I mean, they gather up at your house, and they know that when they gather up at your house, you're going to have church. They, they know if they come to eat supper with you on a particular night of the week, you're probably going to have Bible drills when you get through. But that can't happen unless your home is a home in where... Things of God are discussed and talked about. Now, I want to finish by, by giving you uh, some tools, right? Everybody needs a tool bag, right? Russ gives out tool bags to our young boys uh, when they go to camp for every year, and we add to the tool bag. We all need tool bags, right? If we're going to, need, if we're going to do family worship, we need tool bags. You, re- you ready for this? You need to have a user-friendly family Bible, okay? This is a good study Bible, but this is a user-friendly Bible, right? Your kids need to become comfortable with it, become comfortable with their their Bible. Now look, if you're going to come around here, you you need to get involved in Sunday school. So we have a Sunday school book that you prepare for the lesson, okay? Did y'all hear me? You get way more out of the coming on Wednesday nights when you're tired and don't want to come anyway and it's dark in the wintertime, you don't want to be here. If you study the lesson before you come, you'll get a whole lot more out of it. Then we got a little family devotion that is a follow-up to the lesson. So I've given you two tools, right? I've given you the Bible. Anybody need one? Man, you just tell me you need a family Bible and we'll get you one. I'm going to give you another tool, Sunday school. Now, when you study this lesson, Mom and Dad, your kids are getting the same lesson in Sunday school and they're going to bring home a review sheet. So all you do is sit down the review sheet, and you can go to the Sunday school lesson with your kids. 
Amen? You need some more tools? All right, how about the children's catechism? Who made me? Or who made you? God made me. What else did God make? God made all things. And it's got scriptures to go with it. This is what we believe. We've got catechisms. We've got confessionals. Matter of fact, we've got confessionals in Spanish and English. You need tools, right? Listen, if these aren't, if these aren't enough, just ask me or I'll find you another tool. You need tools to do family worship. Oh, man, you talk about a blessing, a, a man that can't sing a lick. How about our little hymnal? Sing hymns with your family. Sing spiritual songs with your family. How about the seven seas of history? Y'all know what that is? It's, it's, it's a teaching of answers in Genesis, right? We do their Sunday school material. This is where it came from. Creation, corruption, Adam and Eve sin, catastrophe, first worldwide judgment, the flood, confusion, when they were out at Babel and they decided to build a city that reached to heaven, he confused their languages. That was languages. That's when all the major languages came in. That's all in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Do what? Then our next C is Christ, then the cross, and then consummation. He's coming back. How about acts in prayer? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication or seeking. All kinds of tools. Right, how about these? You see your little program? How about this for a tool? All right, just open up your program. Look, look at a little insert in it. I'm just going to tell you, I'm just giving you tools, right? For your family at home. Look, look at the one that, this, this little one right here, right? This is something to talk to your kids about. Now, if you would read every week that, that program and talk to your kids about it, y'all be talking about spiritual things, right? That's a tool. Well, listen to this. Underage kids targeted with sex and occult website by the government. A website pushing sex, gender surgery, and the occult is being promoted to underage kids by our own government. The CDC, Centers for Disease Control, is pushing a chat space and is part of the CDC's LBGQT, whatever else, health youth response page run in partnership with Planned Parenthood. It's designed to be hidden from parents and targets tweens and teens with messages about sex, gender changes, activism, the occult, uh, Paula Morris relationships paid for with your tax dollar. Now, your kids are subject to this and targeted for this. What would be wrong to talking to your kids about this? You've got to talk about spiritual things and what's going on in the world with your kids or they'll be blindsided and they're going to hear what they're hearing is the truth. And just because they hear it from the government or from the phone or from Google does not mean it's the truth. I got one last one. This is the last tool. And y'all see I'm building on my list, right? Aren't y'all glad Sunday morning came? I'm building on my list. Listen to this other great little tool that the Lord gave us. Y'all ready for this? You're the choir. I'm going to go really easy on you because you're here. Here's another tool. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Wow, 
What a simple little tool. If we just taught our kids that there was one day of the week that was for the Lord. All right. Y'all get 100 texts from me a week, right? Well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Why don't y'all teach, why don't y'all send me a tool? A tool to use in family worship. Guys, I believe that the quickest way to change what your children think about the Lord and to change what your children think about the church is for you as parents and a family get serious about spiritual things at the house. Amen? Y'all been very attentive. Thank you so much.